0: This is the Non-Microwave Truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Our first world problem question today. I've heard people say this, and I think I know what they mean, but I just wanna ask you, have you ever heard someone say, I don't see color? And when they're talking about I don't see color, not like they are colorblind, but they're trying to say like, I don't notice or see or take into consideration that a person is black or white, or Chinese, or Asian, or Hispanic, I know Chinese, Asian, same thing, but yeah, like, what do you think people mean with that? And the first world problem question for you is, do you see color? Do you see color? Now, what I think that people actually mean is this. I think when they say they don't see color, first of all, I think that's a lie, like, you, you see if somebody's You see the color like you see if someone's a man or a woman, you see if someone's skinny or fat, like you you can't help but see that unless you literally can't see what I think they mean is they mean, you know, I see color, but it doesn't have a negative effect on me. But I just want to point out the fact that we all see color. And I really think that means that I see color, but I don't think it has a negative influence or negatively influences how I treat people and I think for the most part I'm the same way but I think there are always are exceptions to stuff like if I saw a bunch of white dudes walking down the street and they have on white robes and then they decide to put on some white mask or some things that look like white pillowcases you better believe I'm running or I'm getting it and I'm getting up out of there like I would just be stupid to find it like hey let me see those probably look like some nice guys right there what do I look like boo-boo the fool I'm thinking A KKK, but I don't think people give this enough thought. Like, I don't think they really sit down and think about how would they react if they saw a particular group, a particular color, maybe a particular hairstyle or a particular way they dress. So our first world problem question today is this, do you see color? And then I want you to think about how does that color that you see influence you or affect you? Like, what kind of fears do you have? What kind of comfort do you have? when you see a particular race so the question again is before you heard this would you say that you see color then i also just want you to think about have you ever thought about how does that color influence or affect your behavior and thought processes and i'm definitely going to put this question on instagram and twitter to hear from some people and i would love to hear from you my handle is champion life 23 and this is our first world problem It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Be Careful What You Call It. That was not racist. Ooh, that was so racist. You know he only got the job because he's black. Hey, low-key, he's a rapist. Uh, I didn't get the position because I identify as a she. Have you ever thought people are too comfortable just throwing this type of stuff out there and they're not caring and they don't care if what they're saying is accurate or true? Because boy, oh boy, I see that on social media all the time when I go in there. Social media has really helped everyone have some form of power and voice that can be heard. But it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways because someone could do something like post on social media that they got pulled over by police. The double-edged sword is some automatically assume that that person broke the law. Well, he must have been speeding. He must have done something wrong. And they never even think like racism could have happened. Or in some cases, some don't even believe racism exists. Then you have the other group or another group of people that everything is racist. And of course it's not. And I'm not just talking about with police, but it's real. So you have one group that denies the facts, and then you have another group that makes stuff up. Now, both of these groups, they make everything so hard to trust, and they just jack and mess everything up. Now, I'm going to give you an example or a couple of examples of that first group that I talked about who deny facts and might say something like, oh, that wasn't racist or, yeah, racism doesn't exist. And my realtor who sold me my home, who happens to be Hispanic, He just talked about getting pulled over multiple times in a suburb outside of Milwaukee. And some people would be like, well, he must have done something wrong. But you can kind of just tell when you get certain questions asked like, what are you doing here? Now, people who neglect these type of facts and say, well, it it must have been because he did something wrong. Those people hurt people. And just recently we see with an NFL coach, he's now suing the NFL. And some when I looked on on Twitter, of course, some people were just like, maybe he should just be better. Maybe he maybe he shouldn't have lost so many games. But it's like my man just had two winning seasons. And if the accusations and the things that this coach is saying are true, you definitely have to admit that this has some ism all in it. One of the things he said is that the owner tried to pay him one hundred thousand dollars to lose games. And you're like, why would an owner want you to lose games? Because he wanted him to get a better draft pick. The more games you lose, the higher draft pick you get. Trying to get the better player, maybe a quarterback or something. Then another accusation that he said was that the owner wanted him to illegally recruit a player. Then another one that I think is just super hard to deny is that not being taken serious in interviews. And he was just getting an interview because he was black. The NFL has a rule called the Rooney Rule, which means you have to you have to interview a minority candidate. Now, some people will say, well, how do you know he wasn't taken seriously? If a GM come to your interview and one day hour late and then they happen to be hung over. Now, if this is true, I don't think anyone could deny he wasn't taken seriously. It is alleged by Flores that the GM, the CEO and some other high up people came an hour late to his interview and they were hung over from partying too hard. John Elway is the name of one of those high up people that was at the interview I just mentioned, but he says this isn't true. But if it is, man. Then on top of this, he had one of his former colleagues, a person he worked with before, congratulate him on getting a coaching job, a job he was scheduled to interview for three days later. When low key, they had already made a decision to hire someone else. When come to find out that colleague actually text the wrong Brian. It looks to me like he's the type of person that wouldn't say that he saw color. But if he would have put white Brian and black Brian in his phone, he wouldn't have made that mistake. I'm just kidding. Well, kinda, kinda not. But it's, it's some humor in that, don't you think? So if you didn't catch it, you're like, what's the big deal? This former colleague was congratulating the wrong Brian. And the Brian that I'm referring to hadn't even interviewed for the job. So they really were only interviewing him to fit a criteria of the, of the Rooney rule, which means you have, to, you have to interview a minority candidate. But if this man already had the job or people knew he had the job three, four days before it and he didn't even have a fair shot, it's like, come on now, what, what are we really doing? So some people hear this and they say, there's no racism in this at all. There's no ism in it. But if this is true, like let's say all these allegations are true and people say there's no racism in it, that's the type of stuff that hurts people. Now, on the opposite end, let's say we have a minority, a person that's a minority speeding, and they get pulled over, and they yell, racism, he pulled me over because he's racist. But it's like, you really were speeding, or you really were doing something wrong, just own it. Like, I've been pulled over before, and, and I actually deserve it. And a side note, if you are speeding, and you see the police, I had a debate with my mom over this. She was like, just take your foot off the gas, baby. Like, no, you need to hit the brake, you need to tap the brake, because then it gets you down. But, uh, oh, yeah. And back to the topic. People who call us racist and it really wasn't racist. They also hurt people as well. Now, with both groups of people, very few take ownership. Those with an ism and they deny that type of stuff. And those who contribute everything to an ism. Those are two groups that I'm talking about. It's like we have to blame. We got to blame somebody because it's comfortable. And then it places the guilt off of me and it places it on someone else. So a white person blames a black person. A short person blames a tall person. Men blame women. It's like take the ownership and accountability if the shoe fits you, wear it. I got cut from the team because I'm filling the blank. How many people ever just say I wasn't good enough? Like that's really hard to say. That's really, really hard to say. I mean, I still remember getting cut from the handbell choir in fifth grade, (laughs) but I know it wasn't because of racism. If you don't get the part, you don't get the role you don't get the, let's say, the grade, the whatever you want, and you always chalk it up to racism. That's the easiest thing to do, but that's not really going to help you in the long run. And I, I thought about this phrase because I know a lot of older minorities have been told you have to be tr- twice as good. And I wouldn't necessarily say that either. Just just be good and want the fair opportunity and a fair shot. That That's legit. But on the other side, you have to be careful not to act like none of these isms ever happen or there's no truth to some of them, or in a lot of cases, most of them, that creates a burden that hovers over people now. Like a burden or plague that hovers over, let's say black teenagers, is when something happens, they have to ask the question, did this happen because I'm black? And you say, well, wh- why would they ever do that? Why would they ever think that? It's because if you look at American history and the experiences that people have faced, it makes you wonder this. Just like I think there's a shift now And a burden created for white people to make sure that what they are doing is not racist. Everyone is carrying some type of burden. But let's carry on. On this episode of Be Careful What You Call It, I want you to think about this now. Have you ever had an ism against you, but it was denied? Like someone lied about what they called it? And now we're going to get into the Word. I'm going to give you three different ways that the Bible, that Jesus tells us to handle these type of situations or handle when we have been wronged with an ism. The first one comes from Matthew 5, verse 16. What does God tell us to do despite this? He tells us in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I look at that and just the point of you can control only what you can control big thing that you can control when something like that happens against you is your response like you control your response and you still have the ability to let your light shine despite the darkness that someone's trying to throw on you because the main way the main way that you expose what's done in the dark or what's done dirty to you is to shine light on it is to be the light doing it God's way is shining the light the second thing that I would encourage you to do based off what God tells us is to isolate that situation And what I mean by that is when we look at Jesus's life, Jesus didn't allow isms from multiple Pharisees cause him to have no relationship with any Pharisee. Like he isolated it. He didn't allow how the Pharisees treated him to make him bitter towards every single person of that same category, that same field. And just think about that. The Pharisees, that group or most of them in that group were the people that not only hated Jesus, but they were scheming and plotting to kill this man. That, so the average Pharisee that Jesus would come in contact with wanted to kill him, they hated him, and they were plotting on his death. They were praying on his downfall. But a note to take is that Jesus isolated the individuals, and he didn't isolate the entire group. Even though the average one in the group was praying on his downfall. Jesus had a great relationship with one and still taught him. And think about this, the most famous passage in the Bible, John 3.16 comes during this time of Jesus teaching him. And the Pharisee that I'm talking about specifically is Nicodemus. And you can read about him in John chapter 3. And this is the reason why we need to be careful what we call it, because we end up making blanket statements then. Like, you know, all white people are the devil. All whites are evil because whatever. Or all police are crooked. All black people are violent because all men are trash because you had three bad relationships before this. All of these are lies. And this is what the devil wants you to believe so that you stay at odds and never trust anything. Now, there's some truth to it, maybe even your truth to an extent, but it's not the absolute truth. And it's not the always truth. And the last thing that I want to leave you with when someone has done an ism against you, the last point, the third point is this. Forgive and pray for them. Luke 23 verse 34 This is where Jesus says, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Don't allow an ism to consume you. And I know in our cancel culture how easy it is to be like, you know what? I'm not going to forgive them. I will never, ever forgive them. But that's not God's way. And just something for you to think about. When Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, do you remember where he was at when he said this? Like he was hanging on the cross. He was being persecuted. He was being mocked. He was having a whole entire crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And what he was thinking about was praying for these people and saying, Lord, forgive them. Like that's perspective. But as we see, these are three things that the Bible gives us on how we how we can deal with different types of isms. Now, in this episode of Be Careful What You Call It, I want to go to the other side. The side that gives you a label or a title that is not fair or unjust I'm going to give you four different labels or titles and I want you to think about which one is the worst to you the first one is this we'll say A. you get called or accused of something racist and you know what it wasn't even racist at all and in fact you helped the person you just couldn't help them anymore and they was like they racist or how about this b You get called a rapist or accused of sexual harassment. And not only did you not even have sex or mess around with this person, you didn't do anything. You did nothing. How about this? See, you get called a whitewashed black person or whitewashed Asian or whitewashed Hispanic or whitewashed whatever. Because someone doesn't feel like or a group of people don't feel like you are helping them in the way that they should be helped. But really, behind the scenes, Not only are you breaking your back to help them, but you actually getting change to happen for them. Positive change, too. Or vice versa, kind of like in the same categories. You get called a black lover, meaning you support minorities and you love them too much to the point that your family rejects you for your support of minorities or they reject you for who you love. Or is this last one the worst? You get called a dirty cop. And the real story never ever gets told. You were just doing your job and you were actually helping someone. Actually helping someone and then you got put on the news. 6 o'clock news. We see another police officer in the limelight for doing the wrong thing. This is just sickening. Everything about this, just a dirty cop. I'm just so sick of the police. Just sick of them. Now, which one do you think is the worst? For me, I was thinking it has to be A or B. A or B probably have to be the worst because... You're losing your job in most of those cases, but I think all of them suck. They all are bad, and they all can change the way that a person lives. Does knowing the weight, the, the aftermath of these accusations make you want to slow down and make sure what you're saying is true and accurate? Like, do you ever put yourself in one of those people's positions of being falsely accused of something? Because once you say it, you can't just be like, you know, I'm really sorry. You didn't really sexually harass me. I was just salty you didn't want to go on a date with me. Like, can I get you a coffee to make up for you losing your job? Or you can't be like, you know, my fault, man. I just got emotional. I see you weren't really acting white. I didn't know the whole story. I deleted the post now. And this is the same thing for both groups. The groups that deny the facts of isms and the group that caused everything an ism. They both, in most cases, are going to say, I didn't intend any harm when I called them that or didn't call it that. But you did. Like, you did harm someone. Like, how is that loving your neighbor as yourself? It's not. When you sin against someone, and yes, I'm going to say sin instead of hurt, because some people say they are hurt when they really have never healed from something else. And I'm going to say that again. Some of us have never healed from something else. And what you might not like, it might hurt, but it wasn't wrong. It's just that you don't know how to take it. So yes, sin, sin is the word we must use. And when you sin against someone with an ism or false testimony, Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, it hits this on the head. From the ism standpoint and the false testimony standpoint, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community in case you didn't catch that the breakdown of that is god don't like ugly he don't like that ism stuff and he don't like that false testimony stuff so why should you be careful on what you call it proverbs 19 verse 5 tells us a false witness will not go unpunished and whoever pours out lies will not go free and i just want to do a little comparing too just to break down like what makes christianity different compared to any other religion And I just have to point out the fact that like our God gets it. Sometimes people act like Jesus can't relate when in reality he did more than relate. He went through unjust treatment. He went through hatred for no reason. He went through false testimony. He knows what every slave felt. He knows how it feels to have an ism against him. He knows what every innocently, wrongly, found guilty or attacked victim feels. Like he knows what all that feels like. And I want to close this episode of be careful what you call it by encouraging you to examine what you do and don't call things. Were you racist? Was what actually happened racist? How are you judging and deciding how you determine what you do or don't call something? I think we have to look at scripture. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 37, tells us this. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, a lot of times this gets taken out of context as people are like, don't judge me. Mm -mm, Don't judge me. This is more about making sure you aren't judging and getting upset about the exact same things that you also do. Don't ignore or make the excuse that this person's sin made you sin. It continues on. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I look at this and I say, this is challenging us to be like Christ with our mercy. Do you give people the benefit of the doubt at all? Or are you ready to drop down the hammer? Do you take people's actions and words in the kindest possible way? Or are you ready to bring that wrath and cut somebody out in a second? And I really, really think that it wants us to consider how we would want to be treated if we were that person In that other position, the position that we might not be enjoying or liking, like how would we want to be treated if we were wrong. If we were the person who created an ism or said something falsely, like how would we want someone to respond to us if we were the person that was wrong? It continues on and it says he also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher." Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And that's deep because we overlook our mistakes. We overlook our flaws and we can point out someone else's in the quickness. This is like a woman who gets mad that men lash out to her and get angry and talk to her any type of way. But then she has no problem saying racist remarks. Or this is like a man saying he doesn't trust any of those people and they don't have his best interest in mind but then he doesn't listen to the facts, and he's only looking for yes men and people that tell him what he wants to hear. The passage continues on and says, How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now notice that Jesus doesn't say flat out that it's wrong, but just notice how our vision is so much clearer and it's so much easier to help others when we handle and clean out our own eyes first, meaning we have to admit our mess before we try to address somebody else's mess. So slow down, slow down on what you do or don't call it. Check your motives, ask God to examine your heart. John 16 verse 13 tells us, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what yet is to come. The Holy Spirit will reveal what truth is. So be careful what you call it because you can't get it back. You might not trust people, but you can always, always, always trust God. When someone says you have done an ism, slow down and think. When you want to call someone out for an ism, ask yourself, am I really being treated unfairly or is this a cop-out? Be careful what you call it. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me today. We have one more episode in our series for February. And that episode will look at, are we aware of the hidden agendas being pushed on us? Because the devil and the world, ooh, they got some hidden agendas they want to push on us. But yeah, hopefully you'll check it out next week. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.